You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Tim, how's your morning going, bro? Uh, getting that diesel going. It's hitting me. Got to have we're, that diesel. We're ready, man. <laughs> yeah, I've actually broke out. I'm going to get made fun of, and it's totally cool, man. Look at that. I broke out the Frosty the Snowman mug. This hey, week. there you go. It's that time. We're expecting, that. Snow. We're expect, expecting flurries tomorrow, Tim, so I thought, you know what, let's get festive here. So, Oh, that's cute. You're getting some flurries? Yeah. That, just, yeah. And, got grown men snow up here. Bro, it, we'll get flurries, and there will be no milk or bread in the grocery store, I promise you. I don't know why people have milk sandwiches every time it snows in the south, but let me tell you, it is a real thing, dude. You That's go up here, too, man. Oh, is it really? The milk and the eggs are gone. Yeah, and the bread, forget it. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as as soon as soon we get the, uh, the forecast for, like, you know, an inch or so, I'm going to go to the store and take a picture just so you guys can see it. It's it's pandemonium, bro. Everybody's just like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We got to have uh, milk sandwiches. Um, anyway, got a bunch of people here in the chat. want to say thanks to you guys hanging out in here early. We got Omer breaking it all down for us. We got Carly Ray. We got Nick McSwain. Um, let's see, Boz up in the house. Derek K. Just a quick shout out to everyone. Appreciate y'all swinging through. I'm going to try to get to these chats, guys, but I'll tell you, it's getting more and more difficult. It's a good problem to have. Got Mark in here, um, Doug in the house. Cheesehead Murph. Yeah, Cheesehead Murph up in here says, go pack, go, Leapers. We back at it. You got that right, buddy. Let's go ahead and hit the chat a little bit, um, if that's cool with you, uh, Tim. I've got a couple here kind of marked. Omer in the chat said, competing for playoffs. Jordan Love is excelling. Young pass catchers are growing and contributing. Defense has stepped up. Uh, five top 90 draft picks in 2024. Um, yeah, the future is bright, no doubt about it, Omer. He says, Packers coach Matt LaFleur said they know more about Christian Watson's hamstring injury on Tuesday, which obviously today. Um, Watson wasn't sure how serious it was, 
when he spoke after the game. So we should be hearing about that here in a little bit. I heard the same thing, Omer, and then he has a question, of course. He says, here's a question for you. If the Packers do win out, if Jordan Love continues to shine, is he not a candidate for MVP this season? Um, it's a great question, Omer. We're actually going to deep dive Jordan Love's statistics uh, on PTA Live tonight and just kind of get a little bit better understanding of where he ranks. The way I kind of look at it, Tim, and I want to get your take on this, the way I look at it when you're talking about quote-unquote MVP candidates, and the fact that you're asking the question, Omer, and I'm going absolutely not, to me is very encouraging for the Packers, right? Because three weeks ago I would have said, what are you talking about, right? But obviously you put these this string of, of really good games together. Do I think there's a chance he wins MVP? No, I don't. I don't see how you can uh, you can have some of the other teams with as much success as they've had and the statistics to, to back it up at the quarterback position like Dak Prescott with the Cowboys, right? Um, just one of those things that when you're one of the top teams in the league and your stats match up, it's going to be hard for someone with a, you know, a near 500 record, even if you do make it into the playoffs, to kind of, you know, overcome that. But I think for me the criteria, Tim, is you got to have like a, you know, a top three or a top five team. And I'm not saying I agree with the criteria. I'm just saying what I think the criteria probably is as far as the voting. Top three, top five team, and you got to be in the top three to five in statistics, right? And when we talk about statistics, obviously, anytime you've got one quarterback who's going to be meet that criteria and he's got, you know, 30 touchdowns, you know, 25-plus touchdowns and single-digit interceptions, you know, I don't think the guy who's got more than 10 interceptions has a chance of overcoming him. You know what I'm saying, Tim? Maybe in the 90s, but not today. Right. I agree. Um, you know, MVP's tough for me because – Let's be honest, it's a quarterback award. I mean, we're, we, I was talking to my buddy Tony about this yesterday. I mean, Ty, Tyreek Hill should should be the front runner right now. And, you know, Tyreek Hill is probably not going to win MVP, uh, regardless of if he breaks records. I mean, he's on pace to break records this season. He's balling out. Um, you know, I, what was the last time? Was uh, Adrian Peterson the last non-quarterback MVP we had? Back when they, when they had to split it with, with uh, him and Brett because Peterson's numbers were just so stupid, ridiculous that season that they, they absolutely had to give it to him. Um, so at this point, I mean, the MVP award in my eyes is a, it's the most valuable quarterback. And I think the criteria criteria that you laid out is, you know, pretty, pretty accurate. Um, I'm not sure what the specifics are when they, when they do the voting, but um, you know, if we went out, you know, 11 and six looks like a pretty respectable record. Um I would think Jordan Love would belong in that conversation. I would say maybe someone could make that argument, but I'm I'm with you. It's probably going to go another way. And, um, you know, you have to look at the whole year, right? Most valuable player of the entire season as well, you know. So um, that's not to take away from anything that Jordan's doing right now or this team is doing. Um, but I think you got to look at the the whole 17-game season plus your, your final playoff push there as well. But, uh I think, you know, at best he'd be in the conversation, which would be saying a lot for a first-year starter. So, Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and like we talked about, you know, coming into a season where we're looking at, you know, anywhere from six to ten wins and uh, just trying to determine is he the guy, right? That's going to be the big the big thing we're trying to, uh, trying to figure out this year. And we're going to talk about Jordan Love here in a second. We're actually going to get Michael Lombardi's take on it with a clip from the GM Shuffle, um, one of my favorite podcasts. If you guys aren't listening to it, I'm telling you, it's – it's so entertaining. Um, there's some colorful language in it, so you got to kind of be aware of that. Um, for a while, he kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but once I dug into uh, what Michael Lombardi's done in the game of football, 
and uh, read his books. It really, I, it's like I understand him now. He's like that that brash uncle Tim that if a random stranger met, you'd be like, I can't stand that guy. But if you understand where he's coming from and, and the type of person he actually is and how successful he is, you would be like, okay, I, I get it now, right? Um, you know, everybody doesn't have to be the same person. It would be a, a much boring, much more boring world, obviously. Nick McSwain in the chat says, anytime Packers win, people find a way to discredit it. You beat the Lions, well, their D sucks. You beat the Chiefs, they were injured, and the Packers were gifted the game by the refs. It's so true, Nick. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, man. What I'm trying to do more of, and it's so difficult, especially when you're on Twitter, um, is – try to block out a little bit of the noise and enjoy the game the way I want to enjoy the game, right? Um, take these wins and losses for what they are. It's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is, right? That's typically what happens um, when you really dig into not just the numbers but the tape and and listen to people who have a, have a lot of credibility. You know, maybe, maybe they've played the game. Uh, maybe they've coached the game. Maybe they've been a front office executive. Uh, but, yeah, uh, my advice is <clears> – <throat> First of all, I agree with you. That's exactly what they're doing. But my advice is, man, drown a little bit of that out. Don't be afraid to mute people, block people, or unsubscribe to certain things um, to keep that kind of negativity out of the way because some people are just looking for attention, looking for clicks. I sit here saying that after I quote tweeted someone just a second ago. All right, Tim? <laughs> so we were just talking about it offline. Um it, you, you, It's, it's kind of like comparison, too. You know, they say comparison's the thief of joy. It's so true, you know. As a podcaster now, I find myself kind of, you know, looking around and going, what are they doing? What are they doing? And, and, and I find myself like getting a little bit aggravated almost. I'm like, why am I trying to compare what we're doing to someone else? Right. Like this is totally different than other people's pod. Let's do our own thing and let's find the joy in the game of football, which that's why we're watching. I don't think anybody, Tim, I don't think they turn the game on on Sunday to, to go. All right, let's turn the game on. I'm ready to get pissed off. But that's not the goal. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, not here. It's not. I mean maybe for some and hey if that's how they want to watch right go ahead just don't bring it around here you know i don't understand uh, we talked about that the other day why is there always something to be mad about you know there's going to be positives and negatives in any game win or a loss you're going to have those you know it's like coach yeah. lafleur said you gotta you gotta learn learn from them and move forward you gotta learn from your successes and your failures um and move forward so uh yeah i mean you know mute the noise there's going to be a lot of hate like i said people are either in our our camp and they absolutely love the Green Bay Packers or they they hate us. I mean, there's no there really isn't a middle ground, um, and that's why winning and seeing these people squirm just makes me that much more happy. Um, and we we knew it. We knew we were going to hear about the refs. We knew we were going to hear the excuses um, as to why you know the Packers shouldn't have credit for this this win. Well, it's all right, and we'll hear that the rest of the year, right? How you know we're playing these uh, sub five hundred teams and you know, oh, the Packers had a, a softer uh, schedule to close out the year. You know, it's all in how you look at it. I think two divisional games back-to-back -to, -back to close out a season it could be pretty stressful, especially in a season like this where, you know, playoffs are not guaranteed. We're trying to get a spot. Every win matters. You know, it's all in how you look at it, man. So just try and keep it positive, right? Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Um, let's see here. Uh, Nick McSwain in the chat said Packers scored more points than anyone else this season against the Chiefs. I didn't know that, man. That's a really cool statistic there for sure. Um, let's see here. Number one Packer fan says, I'll try to get my question in early, LOL. Does PFF contribute to uh, how you view the overall value of players? 
Um, I think the answer to that is yes, number one Packer fan. And the reason being, <clears throat> you know, PFF, to me, it's a great tool. It's not the tell-all, end-all. I don't look at PFF and go, there it is, guys. That's how good these players are. I just – I don't look at anything like that. You know, you'll hear me reference, like, points per game, points per play. Those are statistics that are very important to me because I, I feel like that's that's how you can kind of get down to the meat and taters of exactly what's happening on the field um, rather than, okay, let's cherry-pick yards today. Let's cherry-pick, you know, red zone defense today and all these different things. Um, the thing I like about PFF is it's – there's a lot of resources, a lot of time, a lot of man hours that go into grading the players. So to me, it gives you a good baseline of, okay, look, here is like Jake Shavink said one time in the chat, and Jake Shavink is not saying they're 100% accurate either. But what he's saying is, you know, like we have RASs to to kind of grade out, you know, athletic score for players, right? And and you're, everything is compared across the board. Like you're comparing athletic scores and what percentile they land in compared to other players from the past, right, since all the way back to the 80s. So that's kind of your your athletic score, the thing that we have a hold of. Now, teams use something totally different, I'm sure. I know some teams use SIS data from what I understand, uh, which we have access to that as well. We use that for a lot of, uh, a lot of our statistics and specific statistics at that. Um, but like Jake Shavink said, PFF is almost kind of like the, the tape grade, right? Now – if Mike Wall heard that, he would want to come through the screen on me because he's not a big PFF guy, right? But, again, it's just another tool. So you can use it, use it as kind of a – not necessarily a baseline, but just a reference point. What I like to do is use PFF and and then go watch the tape, or I, I would prefer to watch the tape and then look at PFF. But I will say this, a large majority of the time, PFF matches what I see on tape. It's very rare that I go, oh, man, that one surprises me. Now, watching the game live, absolutely, <laughs> right? Tim, how many times have we been like, oh, man, he was flying around. He looked like he had a game. Then we go get the PFF and go, what? And I go watch the tape, and I go, yep, they were right. That looked pretty bad. Um, because, you know, in the moment, you're reaching for your uh, your daddy's soda. You're looking away. The wife's talking to you for a second. You're not really embedded into what everybody's doing. You might catch the backside of a play and, and think you've seen something that you didn't. Um, yep. What do you think, Tim? How would you agree, or how would you uh, answer that question? Do you agree, disagree? Or I'm with you, man. I think PFF's a you know a metric, and it uh, helps us get a little bit more understanding. It's not the be all end all. However, it does uh, help us uh, w- with our analysis, um, especially watching these games. I agree, like you said, you're not going to see everything. I don't quite understand, like we talk about. You know, I don't get how they grade kickers and. So right. the, the, the minutia of how this works is still kind of a mystery to me, but you know, it is something to compare your notes against, or, you know, we chart a game and then we go, you know, we can't wait for the PFF numbers to come out so we can kind of see how we did at charting the game and what we're, what we're seeing out there. Um, so yeah, it's a metric. It's not the, you know, it's not gospel. It's just, uh, it's the, it's the metric that we use. Um, and there are other ones out there and uh, you know, that's what they're for, right. To compare. Um, you know, and hopefully as we go forward, I'll, we'll get a better understanding of how this works. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, for now it's, it's, it is, it's a metric and it's probably one of our favorite metrics and we'll leave it at that. Cause there's a lot of other ones out there. Um, you know, and stats are, stats are everything when it comes to, uh, you know, what you're seeing on the field, you know, some people aren't stats people and I I'm that way too, but when you can see those numbers and you have PFF grades, it's just the more information you have, the more you can kind of make a better 
uh, decision or educated guess when it comes to how you're um, analyzing the game, you know, because football is extremely complex. There's a lot of moving parts and uh, it's real easy to not pick up on everything. When you've got these extra metrics to use, it just helps you. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's just like you said, just another tool, another tool in the bag. Uh, Doug with the chat here says, love's come around for uh, two of three and three of four of a season, two thirds or three quarters of a season. I think is what he's saying. Uh, there's going to be a few candidates that did it all season long. Very good point. Very good point. And that's what the MVP, you know, is, is kind of, you know, it's what it's designed for, right? The most valuable player. Can you say that Jordan Love is the most valuable player? Now, people like to kind of look at it from different angles, and I'm not here to say they're they're wrong at how they want to view that award. Just like we talked about how you consume podcasts or or you know football uh, content, you know, uh, some people look at it like, well, that what it's supposed to mean is the most valuable player to their team. I don't think that's the goal. I think the goal is the most valuable player in the league. Meaning, if you could pick one player this year, right? that you would say, yes, he was the most valuable player. That's the guy. Um, so, again, I disagree respectfully with people who think it's the most valuable player to their team. But, um, yeah, with that being said, I don't think anybody could look at Jordan Love and go, yep, he is by far the best player in the league, the most valuable player in the league, right? So, now, in the conversation, borderline, right? You know, I can, like I said, I can see the argument for being in the conversation right now. We'll have to look at the numbers this evening on PTA Live. But uh, for the most part, I would say he's probably on the outside looking in at the moment. Uh, as bad as I hate to say that, but but hey, it doesn't mean he's not having a good year, great year. I mean, he's borderline. He, he's about to step into the possibility of having a great year. That's freaking awesome for Packer fans. There's no doubt. Um, but yeah, appreciate the comment there. Deadfish says, uh, let's just beat the Giants and let the awards take care of themselves. Hey, I like the way you think, Deadfish. Um, it's all about that dub. That's the only stat that matters, man. They're right, Tim. Yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of MVPs in Green Bay. Sure um, I'll take I'll take rings uh, and championships. You know, the MVPs that the awards that'll come. Let them let them guys figure that out. Go out and just do our job, right? Yeah, and isn't it funny too that? And and I'm sure the person who asked about the MVP wasn't one of these fans. But how many fans were were criticizing Aaron for talking about his MVP? I'm tired of hearing about MVPs. Aaron's gone. Here we are going. You think Jordan could win MVP? <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that works, right? Um, let's see. Yeah. Number one Packer fan here in the chat says, "Watching Kelsey's reaction to Jordan Love throwing the ball was so funny. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't much, but he kept giving the head nods, like, okay, I see you.' I didn't see that. Did you happen to see that? Uh, uh, no, I didn't. But I would I, like to see that because he's one of the best to ever do it at the tight end position. That would be really cool if he was kind of going, dang, look at Jordan. Because we heard uh, big play slay last year from the Eagles. Remember on his podcast, he talked about that. Yep. So, Sometimes getting noticed by your peers is uh is the greatest accolade you can have, right? That's why I personally like the top 100. I know people don't like it, but it's voted on by actual players, right? Who say, yeah. hey, no, look, these are these are the guys you want to watch. Um, so I think that's kind of is there some politic in there? I'm sure, right? Just like anything else, but I kind of respect the player's opinion over everybody else's. Uh, Eric Sutherland says, I love colorful language. And we were talking about Michael Lombardi. We know you do, Eric. And I want to say this, man. Kudos to you, Eric. Because you have toned it down so much in the chat that I can actually put your comments on the show, and I appreciate that, man. We're all you still get a few gems though, just for us to look at, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. <laughs> don't don't clean it completely up, Eric. But just know, I know you're probably thinking, man, he never puts my comments up there. Early on, I was going, damn, I can't put Eric's comments up. 
<laughs> but we uh we appreciate you uh cleaning it up here for the uh, the younger crowd man um nick mcswain 100 social media is terrible for mental health so i stay away as much as possible i'll tell you this man there is such a thing as too much screen time i've learned that this year there's no two ways about it man um just like anything else you know we talk about daddy sodas i've got family members who's battled addiction both you know painkiller and alcohol everything everything in moderation right yeah um and that goes for social media too. There's no doubt about it. Derek K in the chat says, "Yeah, where did your where did our secondary come from? You know what's wild about our secondary is, uh, and all these numbers that we may get to on this show. Hopefully, we do with the defense. Look at look at what Joe Barry's doing with the people who are on the field. And I'm going to answer your question, Derek. It's all on the tape, man. Every 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 answer to every question is on the tape. Then it comes down to, do you understand what you're actually watching? And I'm still not there. I'm trying to get there. I want to get to the point where there is zero hesitation, zero question whatsoever in my mind that I know exactly what I've seen on the field, right, after watching the tape. The problem is there's so many different things that go on in the meeting room and things they're discussing. That's why players will come out and speak out on PFF because they'll say, well, they don't. They wasn't in the meeting room. They don't know what that DB was told in that specific situation. And it's a good point. It's a valid point. Most of the time, though, if you understand what the options could be, especially within zone match principles, and the only way you can learn that is just studying. That's it. Um, most of the time, you can if you if you understand what the possibilities can be, you can kind of see. Okay, yeah, that's I think that's what they were doing. Even Coach Haddad that came on the show, Tim, he said the same thing. He's like, every time I ask him a question on a specific play, he go, I think that's what the play call was. You always right. got to get that out there because we don't know, right? Um, and that's what bothers me when people who just watch the game on Sunday and put a random emotional tweet out there as if this player sucks or this defensive coordinator sucks. It's like you don't even know what the play call was. Like how can you – we had a little bit of that last night, right, because I think that was more of a troll than anything. But Play call? Uh, Half of them don't even – they don't even know the defense that they're complaining about. Right, right. It's, know, they don't even know what we're, what we're doing or what the, you know, what the goal of – the defense is, you know, every scheme is different. So it's, yeah, I don't know. And so what I was getting to Derek was it's kind of a long way there. And I apologize. Um, if you understand what we're, what we're watching on the tape and I'm trying to completely understand it. Um, what I've found watching the tape the last year and a half is, and, and I've watched the tape a lot longer than that, but I just say that because I've been podcasting for about a year and a half now. When I watched the tape, I didn't find myself going, what a horrible play call. Now, the casuals will immediately go to that, right, and just go, it's Joe Barry's an idiot. Can you believe he did that? It's just like the, the prevent defense they talked about. I thought it was a perfect play call. It was it was just executed really bad on the back end. When you go to watch that tape, what you find, what I found myself doing is that wasn't a bad play call. That dude blew his coverage. My God, that, that guy there didn't meet his run fit. That guy got washed out of his gap. He played too aggressive. My God, they broke seven tackles on one play. How can you blame the coordinator when they break seven tackles on one play? <laughs> it's like, you know, I guarantee you Joe Barry wasn't going, guys, don't worry about tackling. Don't not. Let's just make sure we're in the right spot. Okay. That's that's not how Tim, you've been at practices. Are they out there telling them don't worry about tackling? No. <laughs> so no. It is, you know, it is what it is. I I, I don't I don't want to stay on that subject too long, but I hope that answered your question, Derek. Where did the secondary come from? The secondary that I'm seeing right now, even as young and inexperienced as they are, for the most part, they're in the right place. 
right? We I showed you tape earlier this year and last year too of Jair Alexander completely, I mean, just getting way too aggressive and coming out of assignment, not covering his quarter, not covering his third, and biting underneath, right? And I would go, that was on Jair. PFF grade would drop. Poor grade by Jair. It's like maybe it was one, two, only three plays in that game, but that's enough to drop the PFF grade down significantly, right? And Rasul Douglas did it several times too. Darnell Savage is real bad at it. Now, Sunday – or you, you, we keep getting that Darnell Savage – Dude, sign me up. But the problem is that's one game of about 40, it seems like, Tim. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the part that sucks. So uh, even with that being said, too, you got to kind of sit back and go, okay, again, we don't know the exact play call. But what you do know is when someone is late to the point of attack and then you hear LaFleur talk about our safeties with two on the shelf should be able to meet that run fit, put two and two together. When you got two defenders pointing at each other, Probably someone screwed up an assignment, right? So yep. um, that that's the way I would answer it. I feel like they're playing within the scheme, and Joe Barry is just sitting out there going, okay, you may score on us. You may get a field goal. Eventually you're going to run out of space, and you're going to have to use the whole damn field. And yep. that's, that's to me, I like that style, but I'm a very, a very conservative person when it comes to that type of football, you know, so. It is what it is. Appreciate the question, though. Boz says, now Andy Reid knows who love is. You darn tootin' he does. Uh, he'll, he'll remember him for next time, too, unfortunately. we got to be ready for that next time, right? And, and that's what Matt LaFleur's saying. You're not sneaking up on anybody now, Tim. You nope. you, you kind of surprised Detroit on Thanksgiving. Got a little bit of a target on your back. Then you go into Kansas. Everybody, well, it's still Detroit. Then you go into, you, you go into Lambeau and beat Kansas City. Yeah, there ain't a person. Oh, it's the refs. It's the refs, Clayton. <laughs> exactly. Get out of here. I love it. Doug in the chat says, found great game summary on VEASAN, a sports betting network. I don't bet, but their game commentary was solid, and they talked about the refs last and not a lot. Going to tune into them some more. VEASAN is great. We're actually going to play a clip from VEASAN and DraftKings here right now. Um, And uh, let me kind of set the stage for you and, and why we're going to talk about it real quick. I think we got through those initial comments. I like answering questions on the front side, guys, as the crowd files in. So maybe moving forward, if I don't want to say limit the chat, don't limit the chat at all, but try to get a question and just say maybe just put question and then the question after it right when you first hop in the chat and we'll kind of hit those starting to show off. I think that would be cool, Tim. Absolutely. Um, eventually it's going to get to the point where we can't do that. Um, and we're almost there, but I, I'm going to do it as long as we can for sure. So, um, all right, so let's get to this uh, real quick here, what we wanted to talk about, uh, one of the other topics. Um, it all tied in well what you guys were just chatting about, though. Real quick, I want to mention this. Packers add a 25-year-old cornerback via waivers. This was Matt Schneidman on Twitter, at Matt Schneidman. Go give him a follow. He's a really good follow. I like following him on Twitter. Um, covers a lot of Packers stuff for sure. Um, Ian Rappaport, he quote tweeted him, the Packers were awarded defensive back David Long off waivers from the Panthers per the wire. Meanwhile, former Jets safety Adrian Amos is still a free agent. So, or is a free agent. I added the still in because we all know what that means and why that was attached to it. Um, so if I understand correctly, that cornerback, David Long, will go to the active roster because if he was awarded off waivers, it means they were trying to get him cleared for their practice squad. And the only way we, we can't pick him up and put him on our practice squad. So we had to sign him to the active roster to the best of my knowledge. Now, how long will he be there? We'll see. Um, but uh, he definitely had a high RAS score. I remember people talking about that. I don't want to spend too much time on that signing, but we did want to mention it. Now, I thought this was a cool image here from Sunday Night Football, Tim. Um, every week, 
whoever wins Sunday night football, they pick a player from their team and add them into what they call the Sunday night football winners club. And you can see in dead center in the back on the couch in between Joe Burrow. And I believe that's Russ Wilson. You got Jordan Love back there hanging out. They got the go pack go on the wall. I think this is pretty cool how they do this. Just a little illustration. By the end of the year, this full image, you'll have an idea of what teams won on Sunday night football. I think it's good branding. I think it's kind of cool, man. What do you think about Love being out there representing the Packers, though, dude? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're muted, Bob. <laughs> we do it every episode. Star, star in the making, Jordan Love, man, for sure. Um, yeah. Get ready. He's going to be plastered all over all these, these things here pretty soon to, as he continues his ascent. Um, but, yeah, it's great to see him getting that recognition, man. Give love some love. Absolutely, man. So with that being said, let's check out a, a video from uh, Michael Lombardi and Femi Abemafe on the GM Shuffle. Um, they're sponsored by DraftKings. Uh, I think it's actually on the Visa Network. One of the listeners was just talking about the, the Visa Network. It's a gambling site. They do a really good job. Um, you know, just kind of covering some of the details of the game, what better the through the eyes of the better, if you will. Michael Lombardi doesn't gamble, but he makes picks every week, and he's really successful with his picks. He has been for as long as I've listened to him. So, again, this is one of my favorite. This is a top three podcast for me called the GM Shuffle. I think Femi is the perfect contrast to Michael Lombardi because Michael Lombardi is very brash. Femi is very professional and very patient. Um, so it's a good combo there. So make sure you go give it a like, subscribe, all that stuff. You can follow Michael Lombardi on Twitter as well. He's one of the best followers. Femi's on there as well, too. They're both great follows. But let's check out this video as he talks about Jordan Love and the Packers. 
But Jordan Love, he's been playing some good football as of late. Yeah. We talked about it after Thanksgiving, what he was able to do against the Lions. Now over the last three games, 857 yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions, and they've won all three of those games. Do you see, like, he seems like he's turned the corner. We wanted to see it against tougher competition defensively, and he proved it once again last night. I think his, he's really improved his accuracy, right? I mean, he's limited. Now, he still has some bad throws. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. But he, he has improved his on-target percentage, which was in the low 60s early in the season. Now it's up to 68, which is huge. Now it needs to get to 70, 73, 74. Some quarterbacks are in the 80s. That's when you're doing really good. You know, his bad throws are still at 16.2%. But they have seemed to have cut back on him. You know, and, and I think that, and, you know, Big Daddy won't agree with this, but the floor's done a good job of getting the ball to, this, to these skill guys, Reed. And, I mean, they've got really good young talent. Reed, Watson, now he went out with a hamstring. Yeah. But, I, you know, I mean, Dobbs, they're good at receiver. They're explosive. They're being well coached. I mean, I think when you look, you know, one of the things we never talk about is coaching of receivers, right? the development of receivers. It's one of the great strengths of Pittsburgh. They just don't find third-round receivers. They all coach the hell out of them, right? Mm-hmm. I think Philly's done – I mean, Kansas – excuse me. Green they've Bay. done a great job in yeah. Green Bay of coaching these receivers, and they've been very pr- productive for them. I mean, you know, when you break it down, you know, that they are making plays, making explosive plays, and they're not – and their success rate – you know, they're not throwing the ball like Musgrave. He's not played, but his success rate was only 48%. Tight ends usually are in the 70s, right? That means you're catching the ball that's thrown to you, success rate. They only have one receiver with a 50% success rate, and that's Watson. So those numbers have gone up too. I mean, remember early in the year, I mean, the, the, the Aaron Jones success rate of catching passes, target to catches, is only 36.7%. Every running back should be in the 70s. Mm-hmm. It, it should be because it's high school. You should be able to make those throws. It's like New England. You, if you can't make that throw, the throws that New England has, and then you just can't make any throws. And that's the problem with New England's offense. They can't make any throws. They need not even high school throws. Yeah. Packers now over at our show sponsor, DraftKings, minus 230 to make the playoffs. Like, that was a massive win for them in terms of those playoff implications based on what else happened around the NFC. They're the Rams, I know, in the mix as well. But the Packers have the tiebreaker over the Rams, having beat them uh, a few weeks ago. I mean, well, think about it. They got the Giants next week. They can't, you know, Tyrod Taylor will be the starter. It'll be a different game, but they match up well against the Giants, assuming the weather's good. They got Tampa at home. I think that's a game they can win. They got to go to Carolina. It's another game they can win. I mean, they could be nine and six when they go up to, to the Metrodome to play the Vikings, and then they end the season against Chicago at home. So yeah, I mean, I think there's a good case to be made. They can win five of the next. They can win four of the next five. That puts it ten wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, here's what you don't realize: is they're they're the sixth best third down offense in football. That's crazy. The sixth best third down offense in football. When you're good on third down. And that comes from the quarterback. I mean, his, he's increased his percentage of a completion. He's up over 60. He's at 61-3, which is low for a league, but it's improved. Based on what you've seen over the last month, and I'm sure we'll have this conversation more as we get into the postseason and all that stuff as we get closer to that, but, I mean, how many quarterbacks in the NFC do you want before Jordan Love? Like, I don't want to get too crazy with this thing, but obviously, like, you have, like, Hurts and Dak and Purdy and all these, like, but... 
after those three, I mean, I guess you could put Goff into that category as well, and well, maybe I, G- like... I think I think the question you have to ask Femi isn't how he compares to the players in the league, is how could they improve based on his based on him. I think that's the fundamental question. How could you improve? Who's out there that's better than him? And can you get him? Right? Yeah. Who's out there that's better than him? And can we acquire his services? That's how you have to look at every player on your roster. You know, especially at the quarterback position. You know, and, and he's played so well, it's hard to. You know, it's really hard to say, well, we're going to take, we got to trade up to go get, you know, uh, Drake May or Caleb. So there you go, Tim. That's kind of the story, right? He Jordan Love has put them in a in a very good bad spot, right? Like, okay, we may have our quarterback, but he's played so well down the stretch here that you find yourself going, it's hard to justify going to get another quarterback, right? Now, if there's a high grade on a quarterback, you know they're going to take him. If they took Brian Brom in the second round when Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, obviously everything's fair game with Jordan Love as well. But I like what they said there. What was your initial thoughts, comments on on what Michael Lombardi said there? And again, guys, go give go give that a like, follow all that stuff. Um, we appreciate the GM Shuffle. They, like I said, one of my favorite podcasts for sure. First of all, I love um, his comment about going to the Metrodome to play the the Vikings. <laughs> Old school football guy right there. The Metrodome's yeah. been imploded for a number of years already, but uh, he's still going to call it the Metrodome. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Dude, um, he screws so many, so many names up. He screws everybody's names up. He gets, he's a laughing stock in that regard. Me doing a podcast. I don't think too much of that because I screw stuff up. Constantly. Oh yeah. No, I love it. Us, yeah. I love it. He might be doing it on purpose. You might just be calling them, you know. Hey, all the Milwaukee listeners will relate. A lot of people still call uh, call the stadium down there Miller Park, even though that that's been changed for a number of years already. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, Lombardi hit on a couple good points there, um, especially the you know that last point. How many quarterbacks are better than Jordan Love that are that are out there right now? Um, and I think you know. Jordan playing so well and making things tough on our GM. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm all for it. Don't forget guys, you know, like you want to ask me about um, the draft and, you know, quarterbacks available. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I want defensive line. I want offensive linemen drafted. I, I would love a, another right guard, you know, maybe a left tackle, uh, you know, defensive tackle, Um you know, that's where I want to look. We took a quarterback last year in the draft, guys. I don't know if you remembered, and half of you out there wanted to see him play in, in week four or five. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm 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 not the one to ask about the quarterbacks in this draft class. I do know that uh, it's a QB-heavy draft. I'm aware of that. Um, yeah. And, you know, best player available, right? You know, we, we also understand that. You can have a plan going into the draft. You can have a, a whole bag full of picks in the first and second and third rounds, and you know, you may want to, you know, draft at a certain position and then that guy disappears off the board. What is your, what's your plan? You know, because, you know, one of the things that, you know, a GM has to consider is sometimes you have to draft a player, even, even if you know, you're just going to use them as leverage and you're going to package them in a deal and make a move for the guy you really want. So, um, I, I'm excited about our future and it's, it's good to see that. Yeah. We're not really sneaking up on anyone. And Michael Lombardi is right, man. You know, these are winnable games. We should take care of business here. 
and uh, going going into those last couple of divisional games, we could be uh, sitting a few games above 500, which is exactly where we want to be. Yeah, absolutely, man. Another cool stat. This was dropped by at PFF underscore Packers on Twitter. Jordan Love off play action versus the Chiefs. So off of play action alone against the Chiefs, he had 13 attempts. He converted or completed 11 of those passes. So he was 11 of 13 for 122 yards, one touchdown, no interception, passer rating of 131.4 with the rocket emoji. Now, obviously, we covered the PFF grades yesterday. I thought that was a really cool statistic. In case you guys missed that episode, just a quick recap. Um, PFF, uh, Green Bay Packers, also tweeted this out. Highest-graded Packer players versus the Chiefs. Jordan Love, 91.8. I can't stop smiling, bro. It's just absolutely awesome. Christian Watson, 88.9, another one that you wanted to see turning around. Dontavian Wicks, 85.3. Darnell Savage, 85.0. Kingsley Inigbare, 78.5. So those are your uh, kind of your breadwinners, if you will, from the I'm Chiefs. I'm staring at that 91.8, Clayton. I'm right there. I don't ever want it to disappear, Tim. Never. Sound like a radio station. WJLV. (laughs) I love it. J Money. And and again, man, just like we've talked about, just such a such a great dude. Um, good leadership skills. Like I I just want him to continue, man. I just want him to continue. Uh if you made me decide today, hey, are you extending them or not? Not that we have to until next year anyway, but uh I'm going, yeah, I, I gotta I gotta say yes over no now. He's been that good. Now got a little bit of football left, obviously. But uh, right now, I'm on board, man. Um, and it's not to be wishy-washy. I don't ever want this podcast to turn into an emotional podcast, right? It wants to be okay. I want it to be, how is the team looking at the transaction? How are they looking at the evaluation? How are they looking at the tape? We want to get as close to that as we can. I know we are failing miserably currently, but hopefully with enough practice, we'll get to the point where we're there. But like Michael Lombardi said, former GM, he's making it real difficult. J-Love's making it real difficult to say, yeah, let's go get another quarterback. (laughs) It's awesome. Another thing that stood out, Kenny Clark, check this out. Um, You know, we were talking about one of the big things was the team underperforming. Um, You know, the the high-priced players. Kenny's one of those guys, like one of the highest cap hits on the team for next year, and and it was this year until they moved some money around, if if I remember correctly. But he's really turned it up since week 11, right? We're in week, what, 14 now, I think, Tim, if I remember correctly. Uh, let me make sure. I think that's right. Yeah, I think we're, yeah, week 14 is this week's games. Um, so since week 11, so 11, 12, and 13, the last three weeks, right? He's fourth amongst all defenders with 20 pressures on the quarterback. You know, when we talk about it's so important to have that true three tech, someone who, when you say a three tech, notice we didn't say nose, notice we didn't say edge. When you specifically mention three-tech, and some of you guys are going, Clayton, that's brilliant. Where'd you get that from? Michael Lombardi. He's a guy who talked about it. He said, every team in the league, he said most teams in the league, think they have a three-tech and they don't have a three-tech. What he means by three-tech is someone who can line up between the the guard and the tackle and apply pressure on the quarterback while still helping provide substantial run support. That's what you mean by a three-tech. A nose is just you're in there to stop the run. Right. You're controlling two gaps. You're trying to put a, a yep. big, you know, 330 pound hog molly on the center and occupy those those two A gaps. Why we like big TJ there. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So with uh, with Kenny kind of turning it on, Tim, this is uh, 
this is what you need to see, man. You need to see it continue to this. As Kenny goes, this defense will go because he's going to continue to apply pressure on the quarterback from the middle. That's what you need, man. Yep. And he knows, he knows what he, that, you know, he didn't have a great start to this year, Absolutely. but he's, he is an absolute leader, um, you know, especially on that D line with that D line group. But, um, you know, he's up there with Rashawn as, as a, a leader of this defense as a whole. And I think Kenny just kind of realized like, well, you know, I can, I can be that leader, that locker room guy. I can be the guy working with you after practice and, you know, all of this, but I need to go out here and ball. And I think something has just kind of clicked with Kenny. And, you know, a lot of this is, you're right, you know, the way he's being schemed up is really helping now, P- putting him in a position to succeed. And uh, you see him out here, you know, 20 pressures since week 11. I mean, you talk about somebody lit a fire under him or, you know, knowing Kenny Clark, he probably lit a fire under himself and was just like, hey, it's time for me to step it up. And we see the play of our defense following suit. So uh, salute to Kenny Clark, man. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Um, you love to see him turning it on. Another one that turned it on on Sunday I thought was cool. I mean, he didn't play lights out, but still played good. Um, Keyshawn Nixon in coverage versus the Chiefs. Six targets. Uh, they caught four of those six targets on him for only 32 yards. He had an interception. So Mahomes' passer rating when he targeted Keyshawn Nixon's guy, now whether it was zone or man coverage, 40.3 passer rating. And uh, obviously the interception, Tim, was the big play of the day. And we've actually got a quick video from Packers.com um, of Wayne Larravee and Larry McCarron calling that play. Guys, we need to take a second and count our blessings when it comes to our radio broadcast team because I'm telling you, they're the best in the business. Um, I think you'll agree after you hear this. Listen to the emotion. Listen to the rock Larry McCarron in the background. Before the play can even finish and Wayne can talk, He's screaming like every fan was screaming. Like you guys heard me describe Mandy downstairs screaming at the top of her lungs, made me jump up here in the studio. Like, what the heck? And and she was a second ahead of me on the TV downstairs. But uh, let's check it out here. Here, Like I said, this is Wayne Larravee and Larry McCarron on the Packers Radio Network. He's in the shotgun. Two receivers right, two on the left. Snap Mahomes. Lofts it right side. Keyshawn. 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 Keyshawn Nixon on the interception. And he's out of bounds. Pass intended for Sky Moore. And Keyshawn Nixon played it beautifully. What a huge moment. You love it, dude. Did you hear the rock, Tim? <laughs> Keyshawn. I love it, dude. That's how you and I would call a game. It wouldn't be near as good or professional, but we would just be screaming over each other the entire time, dude. And I think that's – we talk about like with podcasts too, you know. You'll notice we move around a lot, right? We're not professional, you know. The audio was horrible a couple episodes ago. We'd rather that not happen. I apologize, okay? It is what it is. It was on Restream side. We'll get it fixed. But – I, I never want this show to turn into something where we're not allowed to look away or somebody walks in a room, mute the mic and talk to them. Like we're just a couple Packer fans talking ball. Right. And we want to bring as much in-depth analysis as we can from other opinions that we find across the internet, across Twitter, across all the great podcasters that, that provide Packer content. Right. It gives us a chance to promote them and give you guys some of the stuff that happens. Um, for me, Larry McCarron and the rock Tim, they're the best dude. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm sorry, Wayne Larravee and Larry Wayne, McCarron, the rock. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Larravee just, I mean, he's got the voice, man. You know, that's something that 
you know, God blesses you with, or, or he chooses to bless you with other things. Some people don't have the voice, um, but he certainly does. And then the rock, what can you say, man? I mean, the guy, guy breathes and lives football. I mean, you want <laughs> the personification of, you know, football is, is Larry McCarron for sure. And, um, those two are priceless man together. And plus, you know, the rock also gives us that we talked about, you know, the post game, uh, interviews that he gets that access, you know, in the tunnel just before the guys hit the locker room. And, you know, he's always asking the right question, uh, giving us good insight. And yeah, I think we have the best in the business for sure. Certainly the best in the league. Um, you know, call me a Homer if you want, but, uh, I don't know. They're the real deal, man. I would, I would want to listen to nobody. If it isn't Madden and Pat Summerall, then it better be Wayne Larrabee and Larry McCarron for sure. In my book. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Um, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's hit the comments real quick. We'll get caught up. And if we got time, we'll hit a couple other things. If not, we'll just finish out the comments. Uh, Eric Sutherland says, I see box said his plan is to be in green Bay next season. Did you happen to see that Tim? I saw some, Twitter interaction or he said, yeah. you know, someone said, Hey, we need you to come back or something. And he, he, he said, said, that's, that's plan, the plan. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're guys, we know we're screwed either way. Right. So, <laughs> and, and that's not, that's not about, you know, Bakhtiari, it's about the money, right? Like it does not matter. Um, you know, guys, I've said this before, I'll say it again and I'll eat, I'll be the first to eat my words and say I was wrong, but I'm willing to bet he's not given any discounts. So you can, you guys can get the whole, that that out of the picture right away you know and the cap hit's going to be the cap hit pretty much whether he's here or not right clayton i mean there's not much actually there's there's here's the two options right and i'm trying to be optimistic about it i tend to lean towards your opinion tim i really do but um here is basically the options his cap hit as it sits next year is 40.4 million okay the dead cap hit attached is 19 million. So essentially what that means is if you cut him, okay, if you cut him, you are still going to be responsible for roughly $20 million against the cap, but you will free up 20 million. The one thing that I feel really confident saying to him about 99% sure. And those of you listening, we are not going to have him back on a $40.4 million cap. Hit. It's just not going to happen. Okay. So now the conversation becomes, how do you get the cap hit down? Okay. There's two options. You can either tack on voidable years and spread out the base salary and the roster bonus. See, his base salary is $10.7 million, okay? His roster bonus is $10 million. His workout bonus as well is seven uh, 700000 which that's kind of chump change when you think about in context to a $40.4 million cap hit. What you can do is take some of that base salary and that roster bonus, convert it to signing bonus, which puts a check in his hand, and you can kick it out over voidable years, which means you still got to pay that money. You just have to pay it later. I personally don't want to do that. Okay. Um, now, what you can do Isn't is that go. I don't know how we got here. Uh, it, it is, yeah. Um, like we kind of got into this scenario honest, because of that. Honestly, though, in my opinion, Tim, I've got to disagree respectfully with that. You, you've done that, yes. The reason we've gotten here is you've got $40 million in dead cap sitting on the cap because we decided to trade Aaron Rodgers. That's a bad GM move. You're No one on the face of the earth, not that you're trying to, Tim, but no one on the face of the earth is going to convince me that it was a good move to sign Aaron Rodgers to a three-year $150 million extension and then trade him the next year. 
that is malpractice. That's why I can't get completely on board with the GM, all the goody lovers. I just can't do it. Like you're not going to convince me. And, and well, we got compensation. You got a second round pick, a $41 million cap hit and a second round pick. <laughs> like, sorry, not, not going to do it. Now, when it comes to this, as far as pushing the money out, you've got to ask yourself, what are the pros and cons? Is it worth it, right? Is it worth it to to have to carry a little bit larger cap hit later on down the road or, you know, go ahead and cut ties right now? Okay, so for me personally, if you were to say he's going to be the highest paid tackle in the game cap hit wise, that's probably going to be in the 32 to 33 million dollar range. If you can convince me Bach is healthy next year and he's going to pay, play left tackle for the Green Bay Packers at 32 million, I would be okay with it. The problem is, Tim, we know they can't guarantee that, right? Bach can't guarantee it. The doctors can't guarantee it. So I feel kind of iffy even when it comes to that scenario. So I would I don't like the idea of pushing money out in this specific situation. Now what you do is you can go to Bach and say, listen, Bach, here's the deal. If we cut you, you're only getting that not to you. You've already got your money, right? It's 19 million in dead cap, essentially, right? How about we restructure your deal and make you the highest paid tackle in the game? That way you're not pushing money out in the long term, right? And the way you would do that is you'd say, let's take that, let's take that $10 million and let's reduce that salary to, you know, the minimum, whatever it is, $2 million, and we save $8 million, right? Is he willing to do that? Now, let's put ourselves in box shoes for a minute. You're basically saying, will you take an $8 million cap uh, or a salary cap cut, right? A, a $8 million salary hit. Would you do that? On the surface, I would say no. But if they cut you loose, think about this. You're embedded in Green Bay, so you're going to have to move, obviously, right? So take an $8 million salary cut and stay in Green Bay or get cut outright, have to pack your family up and move away for how much money? How much is someone else willing to pay an aging David Bakhtiari who's had all these knee issues? What are they going to be willing to pay him? If someone's willing to pay him $32 million in new contract or whatever, now there is some offset. Let's try to, re let's try to remove all of that noise for just a second and, kinda, and just kind of play devil's advocate and say, okay, let's really simplify it down. Who is willing to pay David Bakhtiari on most likely a one-year deal for $32 million. I can't, I know I wouldn't take it on. Would you, Tim? No, I wouldn't. So with that being said, from Green Bay's perspective, it fixes their left tackle position for one year from David Bakhtiari's position, uh, and, and you cut the cap down by $8 million, right? And from David Bakhtiari's perspective, you can stay in Green Bay, stay embedded in the community, keep your family here, keep your 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 new wife here, right? You don't have to move, and you're still the highest paid tackle in the game. Now, I don't know if the Packers will do that. They probably won't, right? It's but all predicated on is 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 Bakhtiari going to play more than one game next year? Exactly. So what you could do is maybe try, and I don't even know how much of this is possible. Could you kind of tear the contract up to a certain extent and say? Let's do it on a game-by-game -game basis if you're healthy, right? That, I don't know if that's available. I don't know if that's possible. I'm not a cap guru, nor do I pretend to be one. Um, with that being said, that's where things get tricky. So what I think Goody will probably do is just come back and say, hey, man, uh, what do you think about let, – let's let's cut your, uh, your roster and your base salary down in half 
and tack on voidable years. He's not going to be willing to do that. If he's not, then he'll move on. Like people are saying in the chat, the Jets will pay $32 million for him. I doubt it. I don't know if you guys have caught on here lately, but kind of feels like some of the Jets' uh, momentum around the Aaron Rodgers experience is losing steam. Tim, would you agree with that or no? Am I, am I off base there? Yeah, I think uh... – I mean, just we're on the periphery here because, you know, I, I don't pay much attention to to the Jets. <laughs> other than the Packers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, hey, I think, uh, I, I mean, they certainly need help on the offensive line more than we do. We could definitely say that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think that – I don't know. I don't want to use the word soured if they're, they're soured on this. But it is a good example of, you know, you want to let your player – play GM a little bit this is what can happen and that's I'm just going to leave it at that you know they there there's nothing that the Jets didn't give Aaron Rodgers did they say no to him at all in any way shape or form and now you look at how their year's panning out if I was a Jets fan I'd I'd probably be a little upset right now and they are too man let's just be real and it has nothing to do with with uh Aaron getting hurt you know that he's got no control over that but you know the mess that they made with their roster you know, that's a different story. Now, now with Bakhtiari, yeah. Um, you know, the, the problem I have is, and first of all, I got to preface this with nothing but respect for David Bakhtiari and what he's done uh, in his career here with the Packers. Um, you know, I remember him coming in as a rookie and just seeing the ascent to, from, from that point, you know, to where he is now as one of the best proven left tackles in football. Um you can't take that away from him. However, David Bakhtiari, I think we can all agree, is not a long-term solution at left tackle no, anymore. Not at all. Not and at all. best, we're talking about getting another year out of him. At best. That's the best-case scenario. And I, don't see scenario plays, where he, I don't see where he plays too, Tim. I really don't. Exactly. And so that's why I I, I wonder, like – and then what? here's the other thing. Let's say we do get best-case scenario. Let's say Bach, Bach is great. The knee's as best as it's been. He's feeling good. And we get a deal done. Maybe he does, you know, restructure again. And let's say he plays, you know, 10 to 16, 17 games next year. Okay, well, what do we do with Rasheed Walker? What What do we do with, um, you know, what is the future plan of getting a left tackle out there uh, for the long term for this offensive line? I guess that's my my question, you know. And also roster spots at a premium. Here's a guy you're going to pay a lot of money to. You're going to want production. You're going to want him playing. You know, what What does that mean for the youth of the team? Uh, we, we know there's a youth movement going on. So, again, I don't – if you ask me right now, do you want Bakhtiari to be a Packer next year? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> but we got to look at other things besides, like you said, Clay, we got to take our heart and our emotion out of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, One as thing far Goody as, will do. Goody will do that, won't he? Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, and I think, uh, there's some validity to what you're saying too. You know, the, you know, box, uh, you know, let's be honest, he's on the wrong side of 30, you know, he's 32, I believe. Right. So, um, 32, 33. So, you know, certainly, you know, there's guys that can play that position, you know, into their mid thirties, pushing forties. I mean, and if anyone could do it, it's Bakhtiari for sure. Um, a master at his craft as a left tackle. Uh, but there's some validity to what you're saying about the, um, the personal side, you know, box been here a long time, you know, he's rooted in the community. Uh, you know, he's got a family, he's got, uh, you know, young, young child, young baby, 
You know, you got the wife, you're, you're kind of established. There is something to be said about, all right, now where am I going to pack up and go play football for a year? You know, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to go somewhere, even if we went somewhere else and played, it's probably going to be a year and maybe we're looking at retirement. I don't know. You know, we don't have a crystal ball and we're not in Bakhtiari's <laughs> mind, you know? And I'm sure if you ask Dave right now, big Dave probably doesn't know. Big Dave will probably tell you, Hey, if I feel like I can play, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep coming back and playing. Yeah. So and I his tweet like was emotional, right? They're guaranteed. He's like, Hey, that's the plan. You know, he'd love yeah, to do that. Right? That's the plan. Right. So, um, you know, I just, my gut's telling me, I don't, I don't see him being super friendly with a team friendly deal, you know, but I've I been wouldn't. wrong with plenty of time. <laughs> you may but, surprise us. Yeah. It, it cracks me up how so many fans, they try to, they try to make those financial decisions for the players. Like, well, if you love the game, why don't you put yourself in their position? Come on. And I'm not talking about you coming off of your, your normal salary that you make right now into millions of dollars. I'm talking about someone who, you know, someone else is willing to pay you that money. And you got fans saying, oh, he should just stay here. That's what makes it so, uh, so admirable when someone like Aaron Jones does it, right? That's why we love Aaron Jones, uh, the yeah. fact that he's willing to take a pay cut to stay here. And, it, and I say that everything that I just constructed out for you with David Bakhtiari line, lines up hand-in-hand hand with Aaron Jones. Everybody's looking at Aaron Jones like he took this huge pay cut. No, he he even said in his press, he's like, I mean, I didn't really take a pay cut. Look around the league. Look at what running backs are going for. They just kind of reset it back down to what the market should be. So – the true market should be what is a 33-year-old left tackle worth with bad knees, right? And I don't say that loosely trying to dog on Dave. Like Dave is, to my, you know, I've put many tweets out there supporting Dave going, man, thank you for trying to come back, dude. You battled your ass off trying to get back in the lineup and do whatever you had to do to get in and, and make right. it work, and you kept re-injuring it. Dude, that, that's – I appreciate that. Bakhtiari with a bum knee is still better than half the left tackles in the National Football right. League. That's why I personally would I'm holding out a little bit of hope thinking, what if what if he did agree to come back for less and and we got Bakhtiari for one year and Jordan Love's playing even better and these young receivers have grown and you give Bach a chance to win a Super Bowl in Green Bay and not having to sell his soul like Aaron to try to go to the Jets, right? <laughs> like all the just the the Bakhtiari fan of me wants it to work out both for for both parties, you know what I'm saying? Somehow, some way. I just with you, Tim, I don't I don't see it happening either. Carly Ray in the chat says, random, but about the Jets, the athletic reported that the Jets wanted Zach Wilson to start again and he declined, stating concerns for injury. I seen it too, Carly. Um, I'm trying to think of who who tweeted it out. Uh I think it I, double check me. I think it was Diana Rossini. Listen, she's spot on with her stuff. Like she, you know, she kind of ticked Aaron off earlier in the year and this and that. It's crazy, too, because I'm just going to lay this out here for you guys. Diana Rossini, to the best of my knowledge, works with ESPN. Pat McAfee is doing his show this week in the ESPN studios. Guess who's going to be live in studio on the show today? Aaron Rodgers. And now Diana Rossini put this tweet out the day before Aaron Rodgers is set to go on the McAfee show in their studios, right? Not that she's located there, but the same company she works for. And now, like, as someone said down here real quick, so Carly, remember Carly's comment here about the athletic report in it, right? And I think Diana Rossini was the one reported. Double check me on this. I, I could be completely off base, but I think that was the case. So now if you go down to Nick McSwain, he says, there's a lot of conflicting information I've seen, Carly. Sal said that statement wasn't true and Wilson didn't say that. So I seen that on Good Morning Football just a second ago as we were going live. 
um, Sala was at a presser, I guess, yesterday and said if he had said that, he wouldn't be here. If he didn't want to play, he wouldn't be, be here. So now you get these conflicting reports. Aaron Rodgers put Diana Rossini on blast earlier in the year. If indeed it is the same reporter I'm thinking of, I have to say that because I could be wrong. If that's the case, watch the McAfee show today when Rodgers is on there. It might get a little bit colorful. Um, but again, that's the knock against Rodgers, right? This stuff seems to follow him, Tim. I've been an Aaron Rodgers defender. I love Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the all-time greats. Um, I don't like the way things were handled on the way out. But it, hey, if everywhere you go, Tim, it smells like crap. What do we say? You got to check your check boot. Yeah, it might, might be your boot there, Hoss. I'll Cat. tell you what, though. I could if <laughs> I'm telling you, if if that is true, I can see why Robert Sala came out right away and said, "Oh, my guy didn't say that." Oh, absolutely. Because um, yeah. because if he did say that, dude, you're soft. You are soft, 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 soft. And essentially, like, what Zach Wilson is saying is, "Listen, I'm not going to go out there and play behind this bad offensive line and risk my career." Uh, for a team that's not even winning anything, yeah, that's but, a bad look, man. Yeah, cry so, me a river. That that is not the attitude you want your quarterback to have. The leader, um, especially, Tim, especially a young quarterback. This is not a a grizzled veteran. I could see, you know, Aaron Rodgers has earned that right. Right. If Aaron Rodgers said that, hey man, look, I already tore my Achilles, dude. Like you got to put a line out there in front of me. You know, eighteen plus years in the NFL. Okay. Well, how, how what is this? Wilson's third season? Zach Wilson's yeah. third season? Something like that? Okay. So you you're you're still in diapers, kid. So yeah. I mean you might want to shut up and do your job. <laughs> yeah, just shut up and play football. You should be thinking you're lucky stars for every opportunity you have to start a football right. game in the NFL. You know, I, I'll just yeah. put it that way. But again, maybe he didn't say that. You know, like like I said, uh-huh. I mean but I could see why Coach Salas said, you know, hey, my guy didn't say that. It almost makes me believe maybe he did, and Salas trying to cover, <laughs> trying to cover it. But um, I, I have no inside information whatsoever. You hear my I, accent? No, I have none. And but I'm, and I'm the vibe I, I got. Tim was kind of felt like Salas was like, I got to go out here and put this out. Like I can't, I can't believe I'm having to deal with this. Um, um, well, so hey, have fun with the drama, guys. The soap opera in in New York continues. In the you meantime, know, you guys have fun watching us in the playoffs on TV. <laughs> God almighty, Tim. Why you got to do it to him? Dead Fish says in the chat, if Bach only signed through 2024, do you let him play out his contract and then see if uh, you get comp picks, comp picks for him? I was trying to be funny with the Jets comment. I got you, man. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I think – I don't think you let him play it out for that $40 million. I think we pretty much covered it. That was kind of a late comment. I apologize getting to it late there or an early comment that I got to late. Um, I, I don't think you can bring him back for that $40 million. I just don't see that scenario. Now, watch him do it. I wouldn't be surprised, but um, that's definitely what not what I would do. Uh, Steve is real in the chat. says, if Rodgers wants Bach, then Woody will get uh, will go get him. Guaranteed. I have fun and been in the Jets pod la- uh, podcast, and wow, it's entertaining over there to listen to all of them. Um, I've, I've tuned in for a couple too. I don't know which ones you're listening to, but every now and again, what I do, Tim, is just like to kind of get a filler for what the what the fan base is like in other cities and stuff. Um, some of this, some of these podcasts y'all been sending me with the Bears. My God, that that is a train wreck over there, dude. I mean, absolutely horrible for sure. Uh, Carly Ray said, "Okay, got you. Uh, thanks for correcting me. I definitely want to didn't want to perpetuate false information. You were not at all, Carly." Those are the the reports going around out there. There's nothing wrong with talking about those reports. That's for sure. 
Um, so, man, I did not expect to talk about and end the podcast on the Jets, but here we are, dude. There's a lot of comments in here that we're not going to have time to get to. But uh, really, really appreciate you guys commenting for sure. Um, here's one. Let's end it with this with the Packers one. Um, Dan, I'm not going to try to pronounce that last name. I'm, it's way cooler than my last name, that's for sure, but I, I definitely can't pronounce it. Um, Dan says, question, Clayton, how do we stop the run? Um, you stop the run by playing better, man. You're going, shut up. I know that, but how do you stop it? Guys are getting beat up front. I had it in my notes. I don't know what I did with my – I've got my notes over there now. There was one point, I think it was in the third quarter, when Kansas City got things going to him, and all I put in the notes was the the run game is getting bullied. Run defense is getting bullied. They're getting pushed around. Um, so how do you stop the run? You've got to commit to stopping the run. And people immediately think, well, Joe Barry won't commit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about with the people you draft and the type of players you draft. Guys, you can go back and do your own research. Goody is not drafting defensive linemen to stop the run. He's drafting pass-rushing defensive linemen. Their whole idea is built around control the explosive plays, right, and and stop the pass before the run. If we stop the pass more times than not, we're going to be able to get a lead, and they're going to have to pass. Now they're playing to our strengths. That's how he's built this roster. Whether you agree with it or not, me, I would personally like a good blend of both, right? But that's why, I mean, you can look at every one of these players. Show me the player he drafted where you go, oh, he was a great run defender. You're not going to find him, right? Because they want to make sure it's geared around stopping the pass. Um, why did they give Bakhtiari all that money, right? Because they wanted to make sure that, that their team was geared around protecting the blind side of the quarterback because it's a passing league still. That's the way they looked at it, right? What's been the big complaint, Tim? We've complained about it. Other fans have complained about it, you know, at nauseum. We don't run the ball enough. Why are we giving Aaron Jones the ball, right? We've talked about that early this year. Definitely talked about it last year because they're building this team to be a passing team, to stop the pass, to pass effectively. Starting to work. Starting to work down the stretch here. As frustrated as I was early in the year, it's a bend-but-don't-break approach. We'll give you that run. If you're going to stay on the ground, you can run the ball down our throat and you can lead. We can be in the bottom half of the league in yards allowed. But the goal is to have more points at the end of the game than the other team. And everything is geared around doing that. That's why they picked this Joe Barry defense. That's why they picked Joe Barry as the defensive coordinator because he could run the Fangio style defense. Fangio got knocked a lot earlier in the year. Don't look now, but Miami's defense is looking darn good. You know why? They're playing Ben, but don't break. They're playing that. That zone match style quarters, two on the shelf look. Everything stems. Every question that you got, Dan, if you'll go listen to it, it's called the Play Callers Podcast. And it was Jordan Rodriguez that did it this last summer. And it's like a four or five uh, part series of a podcast. And it talks about LaFleur. It talks about McVeigh. It talks about Shanahan. It talks about McDaniels in, uh, in Miami. And everything is geared around in the NFL right now, creating explosive plays and stopping explosive plays. Because when you hit explosive plays, it triples your chances of scoring on that drive, right? So the number one defense for controlling explosive plays is Fangio-style quarter coverage, okay, with zone match principles. On the offensive side of the ball, in the running game, we know how to create explosive plays in the passing game, right? The concepts will never change. The route combinations will never change. They haven't changed since Bill Walsh. They'll never change because they they it, it's kind of reached its pinnacle there. Now, you can mix in pivot 
routes and shake routes and things to get creative underneath, absolutely. But for the most part, your slot crosses, your wolves, your daggers, your drifts, all those concepts, that's how you create explosive plays. On the running side, it was let's go to a wide zone run. That's where you were creating the most explosive plays on the ground. So what did you do? You created quarter coverage with wide nine techs to control the outside zone run. That's how we got to where we're at. And that's why you see teams that are now competing for the playoffs, a good chunk of them are playing quarter coverage with wide nine edges to control the explosive plays all the way around, right? And on offense, they tried to implement implement the wide zone run and the boot action off the wide zone, which if you were to stamp a name on LaFleur scheme, it, some people would just call it wide zone boot. I call it West Coast boot, right? West Coast wide zone boot. That's how we got to this point. So fans get frustrated. I know it. You get frustrated when we're playing with a light box. Although, like LaFleur pointed out, Pittsburgh can run fit just fine with shell coverage. But they're doing that intentionally because they want a team to – they want their defense to bend but not break, right? Be up there in red zone scoring defense and always have your team in a position to win. As bad as our record has been this year, Tim, we were in every single one of those games with the exception of Detroit. And even Detroit, I would argue, you were actually in that game early. Um, so with that being said, it's working. We're just starting to make the plays in the crucial situations, like Michael Lombardi said, converting on third down. So that is a long-winded answer, but that's how I see it. That's why I'm on board with Joe Barry's style defense. Do I think there's better coordinators out there that could that could coordinate better than Joe Barry? Absolutely. I've said it all year long. But you're not going to convince me we should fire Joe Barry when we got a top 10 defense in scoring and we've missed Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, uh, you know, uh, Devondre Campbell, Darnell Savage, Rasul Douglas is not on the roster now. Think of all the pieces that's been missing at some point or another this year, and we're still in top 10 in uh, scoring defense. That's why I got to tip my cap to Joe Barry. And if you look on the ticker, we put it on the ticker. Joe Barry, 2024. <laughs> um, I don't see how they could fire him. Unless, of course, another coordinator comes available that you go, hey, he's one of the best to ever do it. It's worth replacing. Right. So, Tim, party thoughts. Man, that was long-winded. I apologize. But hopefully, that's the only way I know how to explain it from my perspective. I'm not saying I'm right and anyone who disagrees is wrong. That's just how I see it. But go ahead, Tim. Parting thoughts, bud. Carly Ray on that subject uh, in the chat here, win those one-on-ones. I couldn't agree more. You know, we talk Amen. about the scheme, you know, the scheme is the scheme. You, players got to play, man. You got to go out there and you got to win your, your matchup and you got to execute. You know, a lot of these, I mean, now Pacheco is a little bit of a different breed because that guy is just a, an absolute monster of a running back and one of the most difficult guys to bring down in the NFL right now. And you could just see how, you know, guys were making contact with him and he's just not bringing them down. You know, this comes down to the little things. Get off your block and make the tackle. Not an arm tackle, right? Not a not a shove. Put your shoulder into that man, wrap him up and bring him to the ground. I mean, we had, you know, nine players trying to tackle Isaiah Pacheco on one play and the guy's still moving. So Carly's right, man. You got to you got to win your matchups. And, and if. Think about it. I mean, it's 11 on 11 football, right? You beat you beat your man. Everyone beats their man on a play. We blow up the play every time, right? Yep. You know, it's 
it's like, uh, was that Bill Cower who said that in the forward to take your eye off the ball, right? Every play is drawn up and it, it would be perfect if everyone executes, you know? Yeah, and-, and the reality is, is not, not everyone does on every single play and nobody's perfect. Right. But um, yeah, like the floor said earlier, absolutely. And to piggyback off that, Tim, like LaFleur said earlier in the year after the Pittsburgh game, we we're playing one gap. We weren't even playing two gap. When you play two gap, each player is responsible for two gaps. That's how you play with a lot run fit and control the pass better. They were committing to a one gap approach, right? Each player just had one, gap, and they were screwing that up. Got to win those one on one matchups. You don't win them. There's nothing you can do. That's why I tend to lean toward it's how we're drafting. We're drafting athletic linebackers, right? People who can cover, people who can move around in space, uh, you know, like Quay Walker. Well, he doesn't fit his run fit very good, right? You could see that on tape in Georgia, right? Yep. He's just an athletic specimen who can run with tight ends and he can tackle like a beast, of course, right? When he's got when he's squared up on someone, he brings the thump, he brings the thunder. It doesn't make him a sure tackler, even though he's got a lot of tackle numbers. It means he's got the athletic ability to always be around the ball. That doesn't necessarily mean a good run defense. And I'm not dogging on Quay. I've got his autographed jersey right over here on the wall. I'm a big fan. I hope he fans out, right? It's just you got to fit those run fits better. I'm going to rattle through these last comments real quick. We're way over on time. Good morning, Lambo. It's supposed to be a 40-minute show, Tim. I keep – I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Carly <laughs> Ray says, Random, Any uh, anybody want to meet up at the Packers game away in Minneapolis on New Year's Eve? I wanted to highlight that comment just to get the word out there. If you're listening on the podcast, you plan on being there. Uh, get in touch with Carly Ray. You can comment here on the stream anytime. She's always in here on the show. That would be really cool for you guys to meet up. There's a chance I'm going to be at the Bears game last week of the season. I'm not 100% sure, but there's some stuff that's shaking around that that may happen. We'll see. Um, i got to go to Florida next week, so um, I'll be doing the pod down there on uh, remotely. Hopefully we can make that work with good quality. But uh, I'm fighting it like heck, but Mandy keeps mentioning going up there for the Chicago game, so we may make the trip. But uh, anyway, y'all meet up with uh, Carly Ray there in many on New Year's Eve. That would be cool. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, real quick, Derek K., uh, you guys have the best Packers show on the net, brother. Hey, we really, really appreciate that, Derek. We're the closest thing from Perfect Buddy, but we're uh, we're trying to get better, and we appreciate y'all hanging out with us, man, for sure. Eric Sutherland, I was blessed with a face for radio. Eric, if you knew how uncomfortable I am right now staring at this camera, bro, it's why for the longest time I had the camera off. If Tim wasn't on here with me right now, I'd have the camera off. I've got such bad self-image issues. It's not even funny. Um, so I completely relate to uh, that comment there and not wanting to be on camera, bro. That's uh, that's definitely a phobia of mine, a fear of mine for sure. Doug in the chat says, I learned that capology and X's and O's here. Subscription to PTA Posse is such a great value for this avid Packer fan. We appreciate the kind words, Doug. Thank you so much, man. You guys make us better every day. Um, Omer in the chat, Josh Myers is the number six overall center by PFF grade over the last four games. I've been a big critic of Josh Myers, right? Um, I kind of lean toward what Mike Wallace said all year long. He's an average offensive lineman. I wanted to highlight this because I don't want to just tell one side of the story. Omer is right. He is playing so much better the last four games. Got to give him credit where credit's due, and let's hope he keeps it up, man. We'll definitely be keeping our eyes on him the rest of the year. Good grab there, Omer. Appreciate it. Josh Myers playing the best football of his career. He did say he said that, didn't he? <laughs> it's they like all of a sudden. Few- a little early, but they're they're right. Not, they not the statement applies, right? Yeah, maybe they spoke it into existence, Tim. Badger Trio says, uh, with that said, the last four wins, Love closed the game down with solid scoring drives at the end of the game. Kind of going back to my point of talking about just keeping them in the game. We're actually getting some of those plays down the stretch now. So 
there you go. Um, all right, guys, we're out of here. I apologize for going over, Tim. I apologize to you personally, man. Like I've told you a thousand times, if at any point you notice thing we're going over, I got to go. Just hang up. Just go, man. It's totally cool. But I appreciate you uh, making it the uh, the rest of the show, bro. So um, I'm here, man, in the mix. Always ready. <laughs> Always ready. I'll, I'll stay. Don't worry. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, dude. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. We really appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Um, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world and go Pack Go.